0: Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season six, episode seven, Violated.
1: Mary, what happened this week? Dylan and Tony with an eye pass notes to each other through Bruno, a hopeless romantic. They rendezvous at the library for some clarification regarding each of their relationships with Tony Business, also kissing. Unfortunately, Tony's dad catches them together and makes her choose between him and Dylan. Obviously, she picks Dylan, and she's not allowed to come home anymore. What an escalation. Like, so fast.
0: So fast. And what I think I love best about the Tony-Dylan scenes was that the letters, the quote-unquote letters, were like a sentence. (laughs) Right? I
2: thought that, like... The first one, I didn't remember seeing anything on the back side of it, but then when Bruno brings him the letter from Tony, and it's just four lines long, and it's like, meet me in the library.
0: Yeah. I was like, she couldn't have just told Bruno to tell Dylan to meet her at the library. (laughs) It was like in bright green ink, too. (laughs) So weird. And like, Dylan was written so big on the envelope. (laughs) I
2: do love that they're literally just like redoing Romeo and Juliet.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, it's... Like, this whole star-crossed lovers thing, and Bruno is just, like, I don't... I'm trying to think of who he is in Romeo and Juliet. He's the
1: nurse. It, yeah, yes. I, re- <laughs> I...
2: was like, oh, so Bruno's the nurse. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I love that Dylan is still bringing him food. Like, that very first scene where he's like, hey, I brought you coffee, and Bruno's like, I'm not supposed to talk to you. And he's like, I'm just going to put the coffee right
0: here, <laughs> and here's this letter. Yeah, he's like, buzz off. <laughs> and then still is like... God damn it, Dylan, I can't quit you either. (laughs) I do love that Bruno's like, what do you care more about, love or vengeance? I know. And it's like, I wanted so badly for Dylan to be like, Bruno, don't you know they're the same thing? Or something (laughs) like that.
2: Oh my gosh. If this episode had just been about Dylan and Tony doing that, like, that would have had to be in there.
0: I know. I know. Because I think... And obviously, we'll get into, like, the big, big storyline of this episode, but I think what we always talk about with these types of episodes is not having too much whiplash when it goes from something really heavy to something really le- like light and with levity. I feel like the Tony Dylan storyline would have been appropriate to pair with this, mm-hmm. not because they're similar in storylines, but because, like, the weight is not too far off. Like, yeah. it's not so far the other way that we're just sitting here, like, how do I jump into each storyline. Yeah. I mean, honestly,
2: like, you know, we'll get there when we get there. But of the, like, six storylines mm-hmm. in this, I feel like four of them go really well and then, like, one of them really doesn't, which makes it stand out. Yeah. But, yeah, I wish it had just been maybe three tops. Yeah. Dylan gives the letter to Bruno. Bruno gives that letter to Tony. Tony gives the letter back to Bruno. Bruno gives the letter back to Dylan. they meet up in the library and make out so intensely. Mm-hmm. And then that next scene where Bruno is driving business Tony to the airport, and he's like, let's go to school and see Tony with an eye. And he's like, she's in class. <laughs> don't you, you, don't disturb her.
0: No. I just love how Bruno is the biggest Tony and Dylan stan. Like, he, he's like, this is my ship. This is my OTP. Mm-hmm. Like, all the things. He's like... But sir, (laughs) class. (laughs) like He can't help himself. He's so conflicted. He's like, you don't want
2: to miss your flight. Yeah. He's like, we have to get there three hours before. Like, (laughs) I kind of like, and I understand. I totally understand story-wise why he had to pull up directly in front of where Tony and Dylan are walking down. But I really wish he had just been like you know, I drive on this campus every day, you'd think I'd understand it right now, but I don't get how we ended up on Sorority Row. Right. <laughs> and then just, like, slowing to a crawl, like, mm-hmm. doing anything he could possibly do to distract him.
0: I mean, yeah, like, Bruno didn't have to drive exactly where he drove. Now, granted, you know, he couldn't have, like, shot a text and been like, run or, like, you know, get, go off the main path or something, but, yeah, he didn't have to drive exactly where he drove, <laughs>
2: Yeah, I feel like in today's world, he would literally have been, like, you know, hitting his little Siri button and just, like, speaking into it, being like, Tony with an I, Marchette. Mm -hmm. And then just, like, talking and being like, yes, Mr. Marchette. Yes,
0: Tony, run. (laughs) It reminds me of the episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where Captain Holt has the text in his pocket, but it's (laughs) so far off from anything, like... (laughs) completely legible, but somehow Jake figures it out. (laughs) Like, there's gotta be some shorthand that Bruno could have done with Tony, either Tony, to, like, figure out that you know, Tony with a Y was on the move, or something like that.
2: Yeah, 2005, we would have had, like, the T9 go, and he would have had it.
0: We would have had the, uh, the breakup text on an Excel document, a la Kelly (laughs) (laughs) Rowland. Yeah, he pulls, like, literally directly into campus,
2: and... Tony with a Y, like, shoots out of the car and is like, Tony with an I, get in the car. Mm-hmm. And she kind of stands there dear in the headlights. Like, you know, it is implied that she is making the choice to be with Dylan, but it kind of feels like she's just not making a choice.
0: Yeah, like, they they kind of – the camera stays on her for a while, and she just, like, no emotion. hmm And doesn't really, like, lend her hand one way. Um, yeah. So, like you said, she, it's implied – that she's staying with Dylan. And then we finally like, I don't I don't even think we see them until the very end of the episode mm-hmm. where it's shown Dylan and Tony are in bed together and all you hear is her crying. And it's so sad. And basically Dylan's like, you know, you're okay. Like everything's okay. And she's like, well, I'm not worried about what happened. I'm worried about the future. I'm worrying, worrying about today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Because she knows, like even if she doesn't really know, what Tony with a Y does, Tony business, excuse me, she knows he does nefarious things. Like she Mm -hmm. has to know this. I mean, the fact that she has a driver, she's so overprotected. She's, you know, not allowed to do a whole lot. The fact that, you know, this whole Dylan thing has been such under a microscope. She knows he does some bad things.
2: Well, and I think it's when they're in the uh, library together, she even makes a comment of like, You know, anything that my father did, like, he's still my father and I love him. Like, she knows. And, I mean, she says he's the only family she's got left. Like, she has so many emotions going right now. And it really broke my heart that Dylan woke up to her crying in bed. I know.
0: I know. I mean, it's just such a complicated situation because, yeah, it's your family. And especially, like, her mom's not around. Like, she clearly doesn't have any siblings. Like... Bruno and Tony with a Y are the only people that she has, and now she just, like, cut those ties. Yeah,
2: I'll be very curious, you know, going forward if Bruno kind of, like, resumes the go-between where Mm -hmm. he just, like, goes to campus to check up on Tony and be like, hey, your dad's okay. He misses you. Like, let's repair the relationship. Oh, Bruno. Right? Like, (laughs) I did not expect Bruno to become a (laughs) fan favorite when, like – One of the first things we saw of him was him creepily watching them make out from the car. And smiling. (laughs) And yet, here I am. I
0: know,
1: right? I love Nurse Bruno. (laughs) All right, Mary. What else happened this week? Valerie likes her marketing class a whole lot until she doesn't. Her teacher turns out to be a creep who, when reported for being a creep, threatens to expose every detail of Valerie's private life and use it against her. Susan goes from teasing her to making the situation worse to saving the day when she writes an article about stupid Professor Hayward. Brandon helps. Many more women come forward with their stories, and he won't be teaching at CU anymore.
2: We hope. Okay, we have to talk
0: about CU's hiring practices. Right? They've hired a cult leader, uh, this guy, Lucinda. Yep. And, I mean, Professor Randall, like, his, her, sorry, Lucinda's husband, who was like kind of doing stuff with Brent, not doing stuff, but like, <laughs> but like, like ethics violations. Yes, that's four professors. Yeah.
2: Oh, and um, um, who is the TA that started the relationship with Andrea? Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, literally every. I, It's a drama. I understand every single one we meet is going to be a piece of garbage, but, like, man, this ethics violations committee lady must be exhausted. She must be up to her eyeballs
0: and just complaints.
2: Seriously. Because, like, man, the first thing we see from this man is him saying, and I quote, advertising is sex and sex is advertising. Very
0: inappropriate. I would just like to point out that I have a career in advertising. And not once, not ever, have I used anything sexual in any kind of ad that I have sold or have been approached by anything sexual in an ad that I've sold. Yeah, like,
2: I've I've taken, like, three marketing classes in my entire life, but I've never had any professor in my life, like, use the word sex in this way. Yes. Like, it, it's gross. It's really uncomfortable and... Like, he starts talking about how Valerie should be in a beer commercial in a bikini sensually licking her lips. And later on in the episode, when they're talking
0: about evidence, I was like, an entire class. Yeah. An entire class saw him doing this to her. That's true. That's true. And Susan was a witness. Like, the person who is the editor of the paper who is writing this article. Like, yeah, they had evidence. I think one of the things I'll say, like... He's probably talking about large scale advertising, like television, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously we've seen all the stupid Hardee's commercials, like we've seen the gross commercials out there. But for the most part, like companies and organizations put in policies because you can only do or say so much. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it was like in the 90s, but I guarantee it was more censored than 2022. I mean, Euphoria is on the freaking... It's <laughs> fear <Yeah>. now, like <laughs> guaranteed. The '90s weren't like that. Yeah, so.
2: it it is really wild to think about because I was like, it's Super Bowl weekend. I was thinking yeah. about the commercials we're gonna see this weekend, and I was like, it's gonna be like pretty chaste compared to what this man is talking about.
0: Exactly, we're gonna see like a thousand car commercials. We're gonna see maybe a Clydesdale Budweiser commercial. We're gonna see like they're gonna be trying to make you cry. Exactly, not trying to make you
2: like sexually uncomfortable in a room with 50 of your closest friends exactly
0: and to that point like when professor haywood takes or starts like taking the stance and talking about specifically valerie susan speaks up god bless her and she's like well just because it sells like doesn't make it right you're talking about the exploitation of women and i find it offensive praise be like right yes this is exactly the point. And then he has the audacity to say, oh, I didn't mean to offend you personally, but this is a class on marketing, not ethics. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him so (laughs)
2: much. And then, you know, class ends and Valerie's like, oh, I'm going to go apologize to him for being late. And Susan makes a joke. She's like, oh, show some cleavage. You might get an A, Mm -hmm. which like not knowing that this man is an, actual predator right like i understand where susan is coming from with this joke like yeah she's very clearly joking
0: right i mean it did feel a little Mm whiplashy like you know like a little opposite of what she had just said but at the same time this is one of her friends like it was purely meant as a as a joke but then unfortunately we see their conversation and he calls her a little distractor by being late and then, of course, we remember the comments about the fact that he called her out to mm-hmm. be in a beer commercial or whatever. And Val is just kind of taking this in stride. Like she, you can see, like like Tiffany Thiessen does a great job face acting this entire episode because you you see the wheels turning. Like she's mm-hmm. kind of looking intently at him and kind of being like, "What are you saying to me?" And like she does some little kinks with her eyebrows and things like that. But she's honestly here just trying to kind of go along with it because I can genuinely tell she, like, in, like enjoys the material of the class and wants to do a good job. So because of this interest, he then invites her to go to a lecture that he's doing later, held at a small conference room, conveniently located in a motel- hotel. Yeah, like... <sighs>
2: Just the moment
0: that any man in any position
2: of power over you, whether, like, an employer or a teacher or something invites you, a singular student, to a secondary location that just happens to be a hotel, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like red flags should go up. And, you know, he mentions it's in a conference room and, you know, conferences happen at hotels, but, like, you don't go by yourself to these things. Sure. And then he asks her what
0: perfume she's wearing because she smells good and of course the perfume is called invitation which like
2: he makes a comment on it and you know a lot of perfumes have names like that Mm -hmm. i i really wish she had just been like i'm wearing calvin klein
0: yeah like said the name of the brand not the name of the perfume yeah or whatever
2: like it does feel like valerie as a person who can you know pick up on social cues and when people are doing things like it feels like valerie would say like i can't tell you it's called invitation when you've been like commenting on my body and calling me a distraction and talking about sex for the last hour Mm -hmm.
0: exactly but which we do see that right because the next time we um we see Valerie is after that lecture. So we're at the hotel. Um, and I kind of wanted to point out something, too, because late, and now that I'm realizing it, like later on, something the opposite is mentioned. So I picked up on the fact that Val, not that this matters in any way as part of a defense for a Predator, but she's wearing like high collared clothing Mm -hmm. so the two outfits we've seen her in in both these conversations with the professor she's not wearing anything revealing whatsoever she's not really wearing like short you know skirts or anything and her tops are completely covered um but he still then asks her to buy her a drink which i'm like sir first of all how old do you think she is like this could not only be like sexual harassment But you could also get in trouble for providing alcohol to a minor or not a minor, but like an underage person. Yeah.
2: Like, let's talk about how many laws you're breaking instead of are you breaking a law?
0: Exactly. And then like to go along with the fact that he just lectured in class about sex a million times, he uses words like naked and sexy and breasts and all this stuff. And I am just grossed out. I was
2: so uncomfortable this whole time. And then he's talking about how... She reminds him of his wife, and he misses his wife every day and night. hmm I was like – I'm, like, physically – I'm having physical reactions to thinking about this because, like, yeah, Val really likes this class. She's getting a lot out of his lectures, and, like, I'm sure she's picking up on how uncomfortable this is, but, like, who actually expects this to happen to them?
0: Right. Exactly. And you never really know you're in – that scenario until you're in the scenario. Yeah. And it's it's not on her to do any of this. It's on him to not be a sexual predator. Exactly. Like that's what's so unfortunate even still in 2022 that that it's not taught to not be gross. Right. Mm -hmm. Like boys are not taught to not be gross. Girls are taught how to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. It's kind of like the whole like even when we take sex out of it, it's like going on a run. Like, oftentimes, if you're a female and you want to go for a run and it's either close to sundown or it is nighttime, you got to carry, like, pepper spray or, like... You change your route. You don't have your headphones in. Exactly. Whereas guys just go out for a run, right? So it's taught more that women need to protect themselves against other people rather than those other people need to not do this behavior. Yeah. And then,
2: you know, he makes this comment about how her midterm is great and you know, let me buy you a second drink and, you know, actually, I have a room here. Let's go take that second drink upstairs and be more comfortable.
0: Yep. And, and- this is really where Valerie finally is like, mm, okay, I know what this is. And luckily, she calls it out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I wrote the whole conversation. After he says where we'll be more comfortable, she says, um, I don't think so. I wouldn't want anybody to get the wrong idea. He says, Valerie, relax. Which is warning sign. No, I promise to be discreet. You have nothing to worry about. And Val says, no, I think I do, Professor Haywood. You're coming on to me. Like, she just straight up calls it what it is. Then he squeezes her thigh.
2: The idea that she has said these things to him and very clearly been like, I am not picking up what you're putting down. Mm-hmm. And then he touches her. Yep. Like, no, you don't
0: have any right to her body whatsoever. Exactly. Like, keep your hands off. And it was at this moment that I was so proud of Val for like, you know, not just like, like she's very clear, mm-hmm. like very, very clear and intentional in her language. But I knew immediately I was like, there's going to be retribution for this. Like a hundred percent. Like this is not going to end well for Valerie.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, especially with how many times they've talked about the midterm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think like as she leaves, he says pity as he's like taking a drink.
0: And I was like, no, God. It took me so long to get through these scenes. Like, I kept having to, like, pause and type, 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 type furiously and then just kind of, like, gather myself because I just – it makes me so mad, you know? Like, I'm not and, – and when I say mad, I'm not mad at the writers. I'm not mad at anything mm-hmm. to do with the show. I'm mad that this stuff happens, you know? And it's uncomfortable to watch.
2: And especially that, like, this was written in, what, 1995 and mm-hmm. it is still resonating so deeply with us now. I like – You would think – and I even tried to think of like any prominent sex scandals that would have prompted the writers to come up with this kind of thing, and I couldn't think of anything at the time that would really work out. But like, you know, in in the time we currently are in, it's so pervasive. It is, yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, like it's upsetting, especially like as a woman watching this, it is upsetting.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you just want to reach out to – the Valeries out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And just like give them a hug and like stand by their side and like raise pitchforks and like go get these people. Right. And then you also just want to look at these guys that do this. And it's not just guys. Women do it, too. Mm -hmm. But you want to look at these people who do this and you just want to smack them around and be like, what the hell are you doing? Who gave you the right? Uh,
2: Yeah. I mean, literally think about that list that we like went through earlier. All these other professors have done the same thing. Lucinda got way up on Brandon uncomfortably mm-hmm. and, like, kept just wearing him down and wearing him down. And then, you know, the show took it in a way where they ended up in a consensual relationship that I disagree with. But, mm-hmm. like,
0: it keeps happening. Yeah. And it's, unfortunately, real life. Like, mm-hmm. it keeps happening because it keeps happening in real life, right? Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, you know, the next time we get back to this little storyline here is just a short scene where um, Susan and Brandon are with um, Claire and Steve, and Val comes home. Um, And she's clearly upset. They make a comment right before she gets there about where Val was, but I didn't write it down, so I didn't know if you did.
2: I didn't write it down. I know that, yeah, they were saying, like, oh, where's Val? Is she eating with us? No, she's at, you know, a lecture that the marketing professor is giving and then Susan is like, oh, Hayward sucks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then Val comes in and she's like very clearly like in kind of a mood, like she's a little like dazed, maybe even a little shocked. Yep. And she, you know, basically walks straight through the kitchen and Brandon goes to check on her because they have a very adorable brother sister relationship that I am loving. Same, same. And she even asks him like, Am I wearing something trashy? Do I have "I'm easy" written on my forehead? Like, why is this happening to me? I'm
0: like, it's not on you. I know, and that's the thing is, Brandon pries a little bit, tries to get a little bit more. Like, what happened? And she's mm-hmm. obviously not in this headspace to talk about it, which is fine. Yeah, but yeah, she's clearly like, what? Do, what do I do with this? Like, what do I do? How do I have space for these feelings, but also need answers at the same time? You know, mm-hmm. things like that. And God. I just, like, I think I say this every episode, but I'm just so thankful that Tiffany Thiessen took this role, right? Like, she, she's definitely the void of what Shannon Doherty left, mm-hmm. right? Because they're on, to me, they're on such a similar acting level. Like, Bre- Brenda handled every emotional scene, every tough scene better than, you know, She's just in the top, you know, percentile of mm-hmm. of acting in that regard and just bringing Tiffany Thiessen in to play the, these tough emotions and, and just this complexity has just been such a good thing for the show. And so that scene in particular, I was just like, God, yeah, like I can't imagine having to go through that situation and then reflecting on it being like, did I do something wrong? Like, what did I mess up? Did I lead somebody on? You know, like it's such a hard thing to think about. When you know it's not your fault, but you're like, but wait, how did they get from that from here to there?
2: Well, and, you know, also think about the fact that she gets home and all of her friends are like attempting to have dinner together and like everything's going on like it's normal. Mm -hmm. And she had just had that happen to her. She's like, why is this happening to me when Susan's in the class too? Yeah. But she gets to sit here and like chat about burned French bread pizza and overcooked pasta. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even at the end of this scene like valerie's just like no i just want to go upstairs and susan comes out and she asks brandon like did i say something
0: yeah which you can see this is what i appreciate about the susan storyline because i was really afraid we were gonna hate susan by the end of this episode and i really didn't want that to happen because i've been (laughs) really liking susan but yeah she kind of like says this was it something i said but not in like a joking way like that line can normally be said Mm -hmm. she just is like did I say something wrong and you can see her wheel starting to turn like changing tides and what she originally thought in the beginning of the episode
2: yeah and so the next day I guess you know the next time that they're in class the professor is handing out the graded midterms and it's like as people are leaving so he hands them to Susan and then David and then Val, and they're mm-hmm. all looking, and Susan and David are so excited about their grades. And Val got a D. And even Susan's just like, No, mm-hmm. this is a really good paper. And she's like, I'm gonna go talk to the professor, you know, I'm gonna get this worked out. And this professor is such an asshole mm-hmm. in this moment. He's like oh, I don't remember the grade I gave you, and I don't remember this project. And she's like, we were literally just talking about it. You were telling me how good I am at this. Yep. He was like, well, you can appeal it if you want.
0: Yeah, he's basically like, you know, there's things you can do to get a second chance. And I'm like, God. And like, this was
2: a little moment for Susan, which like, Again, she doesn't know the full story. Like, I can't really be mad at her, but she makes the comment of, like, oh, well, you know, I expected you to get a gold star. And Mm -hmm. Val takes it as, like, why? Mm -hmm. Because I'm a slut? Because I'm supposed to do whatever? Right. And poor Susan is just, like, no, because you're being nice to the teacher.
0: Right. Yeah, no, because you're, like, I don't know, being, you know, the equivalent to a teacher's pet in, like, younger grades, right? Mm -hmm. Like. I I just don't understand. I mean, I mean I do understand, but it's it's one of those situations where it's like we understand what happened to Val. Susan has no idea what happened with Val, so it's like the miscommunication thing, but not on purpose. It was mm-hmm. just what happened. Ugh. Well, and
2: thankfully, like in between this and the next scene we see with those three, mm-hmm. Val has told them exactly what happened. Right. And Susan and David to their credit believe her immediately and are like you have to do something about this you have to report him this isn't acceptable
0: yeah and susan immediately apologizes for teasing valerie about any of this stuff and tells her exactly what she does need to hear and says that she's done absolutely nothing wrong and they both say like
2: we'll go with you to report him you are not in this alone yep like If you sat me down at the beginning of this season and were like, make some, like, groupings, like, tell me who's a good group of people to be in scenes, would not have said Susan, David, and Valerie, and yet here I am, like, in love with them.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm almost feeling like a a bro TP of David and Susan. Right? (laughs) Like, like, who would have thought, like, because David, like, I got no beef with David. He's just, like, kind of chilling all the time. And Susan is a little higher strong, right? Like she's more up and like I have my firm beliefs and now just she and David are just vibing. (laughs) It's so perfect because like, you know, Val says she doesn't
2: want to tell anybody because it's humiliating and David's like, I'm going to get you some tea. Susan, you talk to her. (laughs) Like, oh my God, you guys are like older brother and sister. Like you're, yes, everyone like stand up for each other. And again, this is friends, supporting friends. Yeah. I love it. And I mean, Susan, like, I'm sure David would have been fine, but Susan is the perfect person to do this because she's like, look, what happened to you is actually illegal. Like, this is sexual harassment and you have to do something about it. Yep. And Val says, like, she knows the writing on the wall. She's like, if I come out with this, I'm going to get dragged through the mud. Mm -hmm. Everyone is going to do whatever they can to discredit me. And there's a lot of things that I'm not proud of that I don't want you guys to know about.
0: Right. And that's stuff that even we as the audience don't really have the knowledge of yet. You know, like we don't know what valves we know kind of at like a, you know, shorter than a 50,000 foot V level, but mm-hmm. not everything, which that leads me to believe they're actually going to explore more, you know, as we go.
2: I think they will. And Like I'm fine with that because it's TV and I want to know and I'm a very nosy person. (laughs) Um, But there's also this bit that like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happened in Val's past because what happened to her last night or last week whenever this happened is a fact and it's illegal and everything. And Susan even says like I I honestly don't care. Like Mm -hmm. whatever you did is not the problem. But he has definitely done this before you and he will definitely do it again. Mm -hmm. And we have a chance right now to put a stop to it.
0: Which, yeah, which is 100% the point. Um, and I appreciate, like you said, that not only does Susan actually understand, like, this is literally illegal, but she has, like, she knows the person to talk to in the ethics committee. Committee, She knows exactly what steps need to happen. And Val's like, no, guys, forget it. I can't, like, I, I, I can't have all my d- dirty laundry just aired out like that.
2: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, thankfully, you know, they do convince her. She goes to the ethics office and this this woman in the ethics office is just like well did anybody see you together and she's like no but he gave me a d and i don't deserve it and this woman was just like is that your opinion or is that mm-hmm. a fact yeah and i get it i mean this woman is literally like doing her research to exactly. try and like, you know get to the bottom of things it poor val like totally feels attacked
0: yeah and you can tell like because like you said earlier like Susan was in class. David was in class. Like, other people heard the language that he was using. No, nobody saw the actual pass that he made on her um, at the hotel bar or whatever, but there was a lot of other stuff that easily could be used as evidence against him. But Val, you know, very understandably kind of almost doesn't even think about that because she's too worried about what's going to happen to her personally, which I totally understand. And that's, that's why people are scared to come forward.
2: Well, and yeah, I mean, this woman isn't asking about other examples of what he did to her. Her next question is, why were you alone with him off campus? Right. Meanwhile, my next question is, why did a professor think it was okay to invite a student of the opposite sex
0: off campus to a hotel with him? I mean, she literally probably could have told her the ethics committee committee lady that he bought her a drink and she's 20 years old yeah that's like done and dusted there, like, there's <laughs>
2: actual evidence that
0: this happened yeah. there are bar receipts exactly so but yeah it's not val's responsibility to understand what every single argument needs to be what every single like like thing of evidence needs to be piled up right so i mean and thankfully you know like we said susan
2: is brilliant. Like she's Mm -hmm. an investigative reporter. When she puts her mind to something, she can do it. And so the next time we see her, she's like working late at the Condor and she has this list of phone numbers of other women that have taken Professor Haywood's class. And she's like, you know, Val won't go public, but I know this guy has done this before. I Mm -hmm. can find other people that are willing to go on record. And if we just find enough evidence of it, something can happen and like Brandon is supposed to be taking her to Colin's art show and she doesn't want to leave and he ends up taking off his jacket and sitting down and makes a joke that he doesn't want to go alone to his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend's art show but he says give me half the list of the phone numbers I'm going to help you make those calls.
0: And, and we know Brandon to also really enjoy this investigative journalist part right like and, and not only is it an investigative story, it's his friend. Mm-hmm. It's his roommate. It's basically a family friend at this point, right? Like, I mean, it's more than that. And obviously it shouldn't. And, you know, often doesn't take a close, per, you know, person close to you to want to help you. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it just happens to be. Um, and I'm just really pleased with Susan. Like, yeah. not just... Emma Caulfield because I think she's awesome but what they've done with this new character right we've seen so many other new characters kind of come in and, we're, and they're just kind of bumbling through and doesn't really have like a firm storyline to go off of and I just really like how they've built up Susan um thus far yeah I mean she really felt like I think we've kind of talked about this before she's like
2: kind of a replacement for Andrea right where she's still got this like same mind like andrea has but i think the benefit that we're getting for susan is that she hasn't known these people for five years or even longer in andrea's case where like she's just doing this because it's what's right yeah totally and it just like it makes me so happy and then while they're doing that val is also elected to bail on colin's art show and She's with David in his dorm room, and he's giving her a shoulder massage, which is a, a choice mm-hmm. to be made in mm-hmm. an episode where, like, two days ago she was sexually harassed. Yeah. Um, but the phone rings, and it's Brandon, and he's been trying to find Valerie, and he basically tells her, like, look, we've been making these calls, and we have a ton of people that want to go on the record. Like, this is credible. It would really help if you would do it, too. Sure. But Val says no. He says, okay, we're not going to push you anymore, but we are going to write the story.
0: And she's fine with that. She's like, cool, go for it. Please get him. Mm-hmm. I just, just keep my name out of it, basically. And I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. That
2: they're like, we're going to respect her. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to take this man down, but we're not going to just throw her into it. Because, you know, if they wanted to go a different direction with Susan and like, just discredit her to the viewers she absolutely could have been like no her name's going into this
0: yeah and like written her in anyway and Mm -hmm. dragged her name and all that kind of stuff yeah no i'm glad they didn't do that
2: i'm so glad they didn't but like i could see another show going for that piece of drama
0: sure for sure and luckily like i know you know it was was definitely a choice for them to have david massage valerie's shoulders in the beginning of the scene but the good news is, is like kind of as they're talking about what the phone call just happened and just things in general, um, Val asks David to promise not to get impatient because she wants to take things slow. Now that tells me two things. Number one, Valerie is actually serious about mm-hmm. David. Like she's clearly actually has real feelings for him. And number two, that this has definitely you know, kind of mess with her mindset and mess with her psyche a little bit when it comes to relationships and sex and things like that. Because in the past, we've seen like, she really has no problem, you know, being confident, right? Mm -hmm. And like asking for what she wants. This is another opportunity for her to ask for what she wants. It's just not typical for her to want to take things slow. So I do think that's an interesting character development for not only her, but her relationship with David.
2: And I, I do appreciate that David's just like, yeah, I'm gonna stand by you. That's fine. I've been here before. I was about
0: to say, yeah, it's like, I've seen this film before. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, uh, Val
2: goes to see Professor Haywood and basically just says, like, I want to make peace. I don't want to talk about this anymore, but I would do want the grade that I deserve. Mm-hmm. And Haywood says that Susan called him about the article and you're going to suffer.
0: Yeah. He literally says, you're the one
2: who's going to suffer. Like, and I did write down the lines of dialogue after this, where she's like, well, I didn't do anything. And he responds with, I want people to hear every detail about the skimpy outfits you wear to class and the way you flirt with me, suggesting what you might do for me if I give you the right grade. She says, you came on to me, professor. And he replies, says the little strumpet. Believe me, you're going to be humiliated.
0: I, I don't know what to say. Like, literally, this is not only horrible, disgusting, and terrifying. It is opposite. Like, he flirted with her. I commented earlier that she did not wear skimpy outfits. Not that it even matters. It doesn't. Which is a whole other issue. And he's the one that came on to her. Like, he, he's the one that said, no, no, no. You can do something for me to get a second chance.
2: Well, I mean, think about how many times we've watched this exact story play out where, you know, women say that somebody did something and they're like, no, that never happened. She's just making it up because she wants to take me down Mm -hmm. for not giving her the job or giving her a D on her paper, you know, whatever. And they keep denying, denying, denying until all the evidence comes out and then they either like play sick or, you know, rarely
0: admit it. Mhm. Yeah, I mean it's it's all a bunch of he said she said or they said they said and because usually, I not I won't say usually, but sometimes in these situ- situations it's a power struggle and a power dynamic, the person who has the most power tends to be believed more than the person who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Because that person has more to lose in a subjective way right like mm-hmm. or rather objective way right like so they tend they tend to be believed more because they have more power and so of course he's just gonna spin everything and then say what really happened or what he is deeming really happened and she's gonna lose out mm-hmm. it's just it's so frustrating it's so frustrating and you know, Val leaves
2: this conversation. She goes to the condor where Brandon is very excited. Mm-hmm. He's like, You know, look, we're not, like, Susan has this whole story going. Susan says that they're not going to use her name, but a lot of women have corroborated his story. And basically, Susan takes her into this room where all these women are there to like empathize with her. Yeah. They're like, Oh, did he tell you that you remind him of his wife? she's like, oh, my God, that like I'm not alone in this, which mm-hmm. I mean, that does wonders for someone to know that like it wasn't you. It was him. Yeah. We have actual evidence right in front of you that it was him. It was all him. Yeah. And Susan even says like, you know, she was on the phone and it turns out she's on the phone to Jane Whitmore. And because of all the evidence that they have, that the university is going to demand Haywood's resignation and yep. that he is not going to be allowed to teach there anymore. Yeah.
0: Again, I'll say, we hope. I mean,
2: (laughs) yeah, let's talk about how literally last year they were denying someone tenure so he turned the students against the school. Right, right. Seriously, someone needs to evaluate. CU needs to hire a consulting service or something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, I just really – I really do hope this is – the last we see of this professor. I don't Mm -hmm. want this to be dragged out. I don't want this to be just another situation where the person who was attacked loses, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I just want this to be done.
2: No, I would love nothing more than if this episode ends with Val feeling so much better about herself Mm -hmm. and me just loving Susan for who she is and Brandon and David for, you know, being the supportive people that they were.
0: For sure. And, yeah, like, that's another thing I just thought of, too, is, like, I love the direction and the writing that they took with this episode in the sense that they kept the women at the forefront. Mm -hmm. They, obviously, with the uh, exception of the professor, which had to be there because of the other point, but David and Brandon were supporting, right? Mm -hmm. They're in the background. Their job was to just be present and be what they needed. Um, what Val and Susan and, you know, everybody else needed. It wasn't about their opinion. It wasn't about what they thought happened or what they thought, you know, Val or and or Susan should do. They were purely supporting and we kept Val and Susan in the forefront. And I really, now that I'm looking back on it, I really appreciate that because they could have taken it a different way and we would have been way more mad than we have been. <laughs> right. Yeah. I,
2: I didn't even realize it until you said that. And now we're talking about it, but like, yeah. David got tea and just like mm-hmm. was there to provide like physical support from a weird massage <laughs> or like just affirmations for Valerie and her feelings. And then yeah, Brandon made phone calls. Mm-hmm. He did and what checked Susan in
0: on Val to see if she wanted to come forward or not. Yeah, but it was okay if she didn't. Like she he and he was the one to call her because they were closer than Susan and Val, right? Like there, yeah. It was just I I appreciate that
2: yeah i really like how this one ended
0: yeah (laughs) well mary
1: what else happened because we still have like three more stories (laughs) donna meets up with ray to give him his songbook ray tries to get donna back saying he hasn't done anything wrong in like a really long time also his songs are for her so why even have a career if she's not with him donna's like no this relationship was abusive and she doesn't want to be around when he decides he's done being nice
0: Oh, yeah. This mm. happened.
2: <laughs> I mean, I will say, so this storyline completely, like, the very first thing that happens with this is that Claire and Donna are talking about the Rose Court because Donna is still doing the Rose Court, which is yeah. a thing that's for her, and it made me so happy. But then she's like, oh, I'm not up for it because I have to go see Bray at the Peach Pit. hmm And I do love Claire even being like, No. Don't do that. Give Mm -hmm. me the notebook. Give Nat the notebook. Like, let us handle that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for some reason, Donna insists on it. And it goes about as well as any of us expected it to.
0: Yeah. I mean, we don't even, like, see Donna until, you know, that scene where she confronts Ray. Like, we see Ray at the pee pad, not a peach pit. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, making cappuccinos or coffees or whatever for him and Donna. And... The first thing he says when she walks in and brings him the songbook is, don't tell me you're afraid to uh, be with me, or sorry, don't tell me you're afraid to be alone with me. Like, that is not what you say to somebody who just, like, ended your relationship because you're abusive.
2: No, this whole thing is manipulative, where Mm -hmm. he's, like, trying to put this nice thing together for her, trying to, like, put it on her to be like, oh, you're afraid to be alone with me? I'm so harmless. Look at me and look at my coffees. And then she hands him the notebook and he's like, you didn't come all this way just to give me my book. And I love Donna being like, don't tell me what I came here to do.
0: Yeah. No, Donna was 100% perfect in this uh, scene, in this episode, you know, honestly, because she's standing up for herself. This is a situation where, again, the women in this episode really stood up for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they they drew lines in the sand here and they said, nope, this is how this is going to go. You don't get to tell me what I think. You don't get to tell me what I do. This is what happened. And, I mean, God, Ray's language, the entire scene. He says, don't get crazy on me. He tries to small talk, like you said, kind of like smooth things over. And Donna's like, also, hey, heard you haven't been going to your sessions. And he's like, what's the point? Like, all this nonsense. And basically making her responsible for the success of his career, Mm -hmm. which is another manipulative thing. Like, dude, ugh. It was awful. Yeah, like he's
2: trying to manipulate her back into this and she's like, no, I like actually took care of myself and now that I have the language to explain what Mm -hmm. our relationship was, I know exactly what's going on here because he's like, you know, think about that amazing summer we had together and she's like, yeah, that's literally called a honeymoon period and eventually that honeymoon's going to end and you're going
0: to hit me again like you did at the beginning of the summer when you threw me down the stairs. Exactly, like she straight up calls – it, for what it is, an abusive relationship. And then even says, like, you need to get help. Mm-hmm. Like, straight up tells him, get out of here and fix yourself. Because I'm not going to sit around and do it and just wait to be your punching bag, basically. Yeah.
2: I loved – like, the only thing I didn't like about this is when he asked her to sit down. And I feel like her, like, manners that have been ingrained in her, mm. like, she can't help it. She has to sit down and have that conversation. But even sure. then, once she sits down – Yeah, she stands up for herself and she's like, I have learned a whole bunch of stuff about our relationship and about me and I'm done with it. Goodbye.
0: Yeah. I mean, even when he got the most combative and said, well, you built me up, so I guess it's only fitting that you tear me down. Donna still is like, this isn't my fault. Like, you're wrong. And he's like, yeah, right. You're blameless. Enjoy your time alone. And we've talked about this. You know, for pretty much the entire Ray-Donna relationship, like, they wrote Ray in such a way to just keep planting seeds of manipulative and abusive language, and you see, you know what, this weirdly makes me think of um, Nate's arc in Ted Lasso, how the language that he uses, it's like when he thought he was about to get fired when really he was getting promoted, he immediately calls um, Rebecca a shrew. Right? Like, when he asked to give notes to the team, it's all tearing them down. It's like a roast. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like, they've done these things the entire time with Ray, and now we're just like, he's word vomiting. He's trying to throw every trick out of the book, every manipulative and harmful thing out at Donna to, I guess, tear her down enough so that she feels like she needs him. I I mean, I don't understand the mind of an abusive person, so I can't get there, but Yeah, I mean...
2: He's doing all of this to get what he wants, which is control of her. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Because, yeah, this is not a positive relationship. This is not love. This is manipulation. Yeah. And, like, I just – I value Donna so much for, you know, she leaves this. And then even the next time we see her, she's talking to Kelly. And they kind of talk about the Rose Court a little bit. And then Kelly starts talking about how, you know, Colin has this whole art show thing happening. And Donna's like, well, don't trust him because all men cheat. Which I just, every time someone talks about cheating around Kelly, I'm like, (laughs) we're pointing the finger at the wrong
0: person, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's like that line would have landed better if it was like, all men and you cheat. (laughs) And Kelly's even like, uh, not all men.
2: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But Donna goes, oh, that's right. Some cheat and beat. And... And Kelly's finally
0: just like, I'm sorry, what? Welcome to the show, Kelly Taylor. Like, good Lord, for this person who I was so high on, that was so intuitive and, like, picked things up really quickly and, like, read people like a book. Thank you for finally realizing that your best friend has been being abused. And, like,
2: the fact that Donna had to, like, tell her all of this stuff and Kelly's like, next time this happens, tell me immediately. I was like... Kelly,
0: did you really just say next time you get beat, come tell me? Yeah. This is like the same thing that happened last episode. When I was like, well, why didn't anybody tell me that Ray cheated on Donna?
1: Because it's not about you, girl. Like, help your friend. Y- also, you haven't been like paying any fucking attention right? to anyone but yourself exactly for a season and a half.
2: God, that's the thing that gets me. They've they were supposed to have been best friends for years like potentially their entire lives Mm -hmm. and she is just like not noticed these changes in donna not noticing her being completely subservient to her boyfriend not noticing like donna has literally never fallen down the stairs and bruised herself or dislocated a shoulder or anything in the five years that we've known her she's do you remember the texas dip that girl has balance
0: I know, and I hate that I have to feel this way about Kelly because we all loved her. We are all like, yeah, Kelly's my favorite character. Now that Brenda's gone, like, you know, like all this stuff. And I just, I just want, maybe, maybe, you know, when we get to the call and stuff and the Kelly stuff, like maybe this is a turning point for her where she's like, you know what? You know, screw boys for a while. Let me focus on me and my friends, like she said in the first episode. Yeah, I choose me. I remember that, Kelly.
2: <laughs> but. Like, basically, this whole conversation ends with Donna being like, well, I didn't tell anybody what happened because I didn't want you guys to hate Ray, Yeah, which I get. I totally understand where this is coming from, but she basically reinforces, like, I'm not going back to him. Yeah. Like, I'm ready to tell everyone what happened. You all know that he's been an abuser. Like, I can't go back. Yeah. We We are shutting that door. Thank goodness. I think that was it. (laughs) <laughs> i i I'm really like i just had a moment i was like is that really like essentially the last time we see donna it i mean really
0: is i mean she, yeah. we see her at the art show but, but it's
2: literally hey have you seen kelly you, no yeah <laughs> wow what uh, <clears throat> uh
0: that?
2: yeah yeah because she has to go do her interview in pasadena mm-hmm. and like I think at some point they're like, oh, how was it? Good. Have you seen Kelly? No. No, I've been in Pasadena all day. (laughs) What did I just say?
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I guess uh, what else happened then, Mary? Kelly comes to pick up Colin for his gallery opening, except Claudia answers the door. She takes the opportunity to explain to Kelly that A, Colin has a ride, and B, she funds his (laughs) art, so he's hers, and don't come to the opening, thank you. Colin gets sad when Kelly doesn't show up, so he goes to find her. He tells her he'll break it off with Claudia and get a job, but she doesn't believe him. He sweeps her porch.
2: Okay, I'm pretty sure when he first moved to California, we were like he can't afford this place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turns out
0: we're a hundred percent right.
1: <laughs> we had no idea. Colin, I've seen your art. <laughs> you can't afford it.
0: Hey, Mary, Art is for the people. Colin Robbins.) <laughs>
1: I'm not people this time.
2: (laughs) Because the first thing we see – also, talk about an abusive relationship with Claudia and Colin. Like, at first, it was like, okay, but, like, if this, like, sugar mama and Colin relationship is totally consensual and they've got everything on the table, I have no problem with it, but very clearly they don't. And, like, the first thing we see is Claudia giving Colin all this grief for inviting his friends. And she says something like, this is an art opening, not a bargain basement. Which
1: I was like, huh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I felt very uncultured at that moment. I was like, I don't
1: understand this. All right. Not writing that down. (laughs) Don't invite your friends. They don't have money to spend on your work. Right? Like,
2: they could totally vamp the crowd and be like, look at how amazing this piece is. It's totally worth what it's. You know, advertised as, and then some. (laughs) Yeah,
0: right? Like, they could just
2: be hype people. I don't... mm. Yeah, they could totally do all of these things. But then Claudia calls Kelly his side dish and starts making out with him again. And I'm like, how is this... Does this work? Has this worked in the past? Has Claudia been like, "Mm, screw that girl. She's trash.
0: Yeah, and like, has he had other to quote Claudia, side dishes in the past. Like, to your point, how does this relationship work? Because it seems like Claudia just pops in and out whenever she pleases, you know? Like, what else is Colin supposed to do? Not have friends? Not be with other people? Not...
2: uh... It's a very confusing relationship. How did she let him move across the country with another woman and then pay for his loft? Right. Uh,
0: Yeah, very confusing.
2: Yeah, I don't know, but... Like, all of that to say, I think, yeah, basically the next time we see all of that happening is, you know, Kelly's been so upset about Claudia being all over Colin. She goes to pick Colin up at his loft for his event. And, yeah, basically, like Mary said, all that happens is Claudia's like, he has a ride. Get out. And then while this is happening, Colin's taking a shower and he's like,
0: can you get me a towel? (laughs) For somebody who, like, just the scene ago was like, "Uh uh-uh, like, we're done, or, like, he didn't say we're done, but he, like, when Claudia kissed him, he, like, pushed back or whatever. For somebody, he's very much like, hey, towel, please, like, (laughs) like, like, totally fine with her just being in his loft, like, so much so that he forgot to bring a towel to the bathroom, which is, like, don't you just have one hanging up in your bathroom, or is your bathroom an open area like the rest of your loft, like... (laughs) what is going on here yeah he's just so casual about it and kelly hears it first of all kelly's eye makeup was wonderful and i never noticed makeup so that should tell you something (laughs) that's not paying attention to claudia basically we learn this arrangement is literally just a sugar mama relationship Mm -hmm. like she gives colin the money for his art and and then he does whatever like he's his her goodness He's her pool boy, for lack of better terms. Yeah.
2: She literally says he's available to me whatever I want, whenever I want. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: (laughs) I love Kelly's attempted response to me, like, aren't you married? (laughs) Yeah. She's like,
0: wait, I don't understand. I know how to cheat, but I don't. So is this cheating? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, wait, only I do this. (laughs) And she's
2: like, "Mm, well, my husband's really old. So (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's like a chain of like sugar payments coming down Mm -hmm. like
0: claudia's husband started it with her he probably had one before him Oh god yes definitely that's where she got the idea she's like well shit if he can do this to me i can do this to someone else Mm. as long as i'm available for whatever
2: he wants whenever he wants but he's old so he naps a lot right i'm gonna go to california (laughs) he just needs dinner at five o'clock i'm fine (laughs) like (laughs) and yeah so kelly you know reasonably gets pissed bails and doesn't go to the art show and then colin is just like why isn't kelly here (laughs) like he just he's not smart he can't pick
0: this up and luckily like claudia is just like all right i'm gonna spell it out for you i love (laughs) how many times people on this show just admit what they did right like she doesn't even try to hide it she's like well i told her to leave i told her our arrangement i told her everything so she just didn't come that's her fault that's her problem like
2: (laughs) every time and every time they just admit what they did they don't expect the person to be mad about it (laughs) Like she's like you're leaving you can't leave and he's like watch me (laughs) and literally he literally leaves he goes over to kelly's and she is pissed so pissed oh my god like (laughs) i love her get off my property Lose My Number.
0: Oh, I loved the Lose My Number. I was like, oh, we are like 20 years too early for this trend.
2: (laughs) I loved it so much. Lost it a little bit when she basically calls him a whore and that she would have more respect for him if he was sweeping Mm. because that is just kind of derogatory to sex work. Yeah. And then weirdly, he starts sweeping. With a broom. Art. (laughs) (laughs) I just, like... And especially this would have landed for me even the tiniest bit. Like, it's bad. It's so stupid. She, like, closes all of her blinds. Then she hears the sweeping sound. So she, like, opens them to look. But then he clearly looks to see if she's looking.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, this is such a hollow gesture. And
0: also, maybe this is, like, Colin's not that smart. And he's like, <laughs> oh, she just wants me to sweep her porch? I can do that. <laughs> like... Because the point is not literal, Colin. It's okay. Like, she just means don't sleep with an older woman who is also funding your art. Don't literally sweep my outside porch.
1: (laughs) Maybe she'll pay
2: him, though. (laughs) I know, because he he does make that comment about how
0: he'll get a job. And Kelly's like, well, who's going to be your sugar mama then? (laughs) Because she's like, it ain't me. I'm a psychology major. <laughs> like, She's like, I don't have any money.
2: Yeah. I also – the point where, like, Colin first shows up and he's like, yeah, I blew off my opening to come talk to you. I probably set my career back for years. It's like, Colin, you were just,
0: like, giving information she doesn't need. <laughs> right. And also, like mm- – Probably not the best move. Like, understand the point, but, like, you probably should have stayed and just waited till the thing was over because she wasn't coming anyway. She was going to stay mad regardless.
2: And, I mean, even if you left, just show up and be like, I blew it off for you. Right. Not, I blew it off for you.
0: Probably screwed up my (laughs) career
2: so you know how much I care about you. Oh, boy. It's okay, Colin. Just missing the point. And then, yeah, that's the last thing we see in their story is him sweeping her porch. Why does she have a broom out there?
0: I wonder if it was left over from Halloween or something. From when they cleaned up the pumpkins? Exactly. (laughs) Like it's like a witch's broom. It's not like an actual broom.
2: It's one of those like cinnamon brooms. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. He's just out there sneezing.
1: (laughs) So um, that line that Claudia had about side dishes – could you imagine if she, like, when she was talking to Kelly, she was just something like, I'm filet mignon, you're scalloped potatoes, get out of here.
0: <laughs> okay, but I love that.
1: <laughs> I would have loved it. I would
2: have loved if Kelly responded with, like, red meat's bad for your heart, right? everyone loves carbs.
0: Right? <laughs> or she would, or yeah, she would have been like, I'm a model, I can't eat carbs. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because, yeah, the things that she said back to Claudia were, like, kind of not that bad of, like, comebacks. Just not really the point. (laughs) No one, Nobody got the point this episode. Nobody, except for Susan, Val, David, and Brandon.
2: Maybe Colin and Kelly are actually perfect for each other because Colin missed the point. That's true.
0: That's true. And they're both very (sighs)
2: self-centered.
0: Yeah, that's unfortunately what we're learning about kelly which i didn't think necessarily was true but brenda always like pointed it out so i should have taken brenda's word for it but, <laughs> but mm-hmm.
1: brenda's so dramatic and easy to brush off <laughs> exactly <laughs> but we love her god i miss <laughs> brenda so much seriously we're gonna
2: finish this up ep- this series and i'm just gonna immediately start it from the beginning and be like <laughs> oh, all right god. now that i know everything about everyone right let's see what we got here
0: exactly god can Ugh. you imagine re-watching this
2: I can, and I will.
0: (laughs) I'm going to, like,
1: binge it.
2: That's the other... I always think about that. Like, we do pretty much watch this, like, on a week-to-week basis, Mm -hmm. like, how it would have aired originally, and I'm like, I feel like binging, like, I just pick things up so much easier because, you know, you watch it back-to-back-to-back, so Mm -hmm. I really cannot wait to just watch, like, five episodes in a row. Yep. All right. Well, Mary...
0: (laughs)
1: I think this is finally our last storyline of the episode. The most important (laughs) storyline. That's a lie. Steve and Claire decide they're going to bang. Brandon (laughs) has Steve convinced that Claire likes things on the spicier side. Spicy, if you've seen The (laughs) Princess Switch 3. Steve is convinced Claire likes things on the spicier side, even while Claire is literally telling him she wants the opposite because first times are special. Steve hyperfixates on some random left behind handcuffs he found in a hotel closet while Claire just wants to be proud of him for getting an A on his math test. You know,
0: I'm not hating the Steve and Claire relationship as much as I thought I was going to, but Lord, do they have some miscommunication. <laughs> it, it honestly feels like they're going to
2: keep leading up to banging it out and Mm -hmm. then just, like, not do it and Mm -hmm. then call it off. It's going to be, like, you know, on New Girl where CeCe and Coach have that really heavy makeout and then just, like, never talk to each other again.
0: Yeah. I could I could easily see that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I will say, so, you know, they kind of, like, are interspersed with other people before we finally actually get the two of them together in a Mm -hmm. scene because I think the first time is when Claire is talking to Donna and – She's like, oh, yeah, Steve wants to get us the hotel room, but I don't think he's ready for the relationship I want to have. Yeah. Which I'm still sitting over here being like, probably not, but you should also probably talk to him.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because if we think about like Claire's headspace, like she just got out of a pretty serious relationship with David. Twice. Twice. (laughs) Yeah. And what they had, I don't know how I would really define it. So I don't really know like what... Differences she's looking for, but obviously, Steve and David are like very different. So, you know,
2: I feel like she broke up with David because he was still hung up on Donna, and so now she's gonna <laughs> date Steve, who has been hung up on Kelly for five years <laughs> repeatedly,
0: who gets hung up on every girl he's ever been with.
2: Yeah, and then we see Steve is talking to Brandon at the Peach Pit, and they like throw in some other stuff. This is the one time we see Nat in the entire episode <laughs> because he has to be there. Mm-hmm. But Steve wants to talk about where to take Claire. And yeah, this is when like they're talking and Steve says that he has trouble picturing himself waking up next to Claire. I did love Brandon being like, <laughs> Susan made me made her make her bed three times. And I was like, oh, I see what you're picking, putting down.
0: Exactly. Like Steve's like, are you serious? Like a 12 year old boy. And Brandon's like. Yeah, but we know what it means. (laughs) It's it's not that Susan was like, no, those corners
2: aren't tight enough. It was like, that bed turns me on.
0: Right. And like, we keep messing up the stuff. So you have to keep making the bed. And then, oh, wait, oops, sorry, we messed it up again. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like
2: then Steve asks Brandon if he regrets sleeping with Susan, I guess. I don't know. It was weird. I don't know. Brandon says no, and then Kelly comes in and we move on from it. Like, there's weird, yeah. just little moments mm-hmm. here. And then we finally get Claire and Steve together <laughs> at the dinner at the Brandon's house. I keep wanting to call it the Walsh House, but like, there's only one Walsh there anymore. True.
0: It will always be Casa Walsh.
2: Yeah. But they basically, all I got out of this scene was they do not know how to cook. Mm-hmm. And Claire says that she'll book the room.
0: Right, which I appreciate because if she, I mean, if you're not going to talk to the person you're dating, at least take control of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you know you want something specific, at least make that decision for yourself, but also talk to the person you're dating. Yeah, because I don't remember when it is. I think it's with Brandon.
2: They talk about mirrors on the ceiling. And, like, yeah, Claire wants a really romantic moment, but they just won't talk about it.
0: Well, and, like, I understand how Steve's confused, at least, you know, outside of them, him talking to Claire. But because, like, with Brandon, Claire was kind of, like, all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she – didn't she handcuff him to the bed or something? She handcuffed – David handcuffed himself to the oh, bed that's right, that's with her right,
2: handcuffs. That's right. But, like – but that she was sensual. And she was breaking into Brandon's room and taking mm, showers.
1: That's like right. waiting for him. So she was yeah. a little chaotic. Didn't yeah. she handcuff herself to Brandon's bed too? Maybe yes. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yes.
0: Yeah. So like it's not outside the realm of possibility that Brandon believes that Claire's into kinky stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Steve, just ask her. Yeah. Just talk to her. Just be like, hey, what kind of sex are you into? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, like, there's
2: almost a good moment here because Claire booked, like, a totally normal room at the Bellage, which, mm-hmm. honestly, it blew my mind when we went to the Bellage and it was just a normal hotel room. I was like, they have non-suites? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> right, We're We're so used to the McKay suites. <laughs> like-
2: <laughs> and then Val's hotel room. Like, right. It just keeps happening. But she booked, like, a totally normal hotel room and Steve, like, has brought flowers. He wants to, like, actually make this a really nice moment. There's a weird throwaway line that the police
0: convention is in town. I don't know. <laughs> this is like outside of podcasts when you were talking to me earlier about just people at work being really obsessed with talking about the weather. It's like, why? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's re- It's such a weird throwaway line. And, like, yeah, Steve is like, oh, I feel safer already. It's like, okay. Why? You get in trouble with the police. Constantly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I feel like Steve should have been like, I'm on probation. I should leave. Right? (laughs) I'm
0: not doing anything wrong, I swear. (laughs) But But yeah, he's like all good and like romantic and shit until the slightest feather knocks him over and he finds the Pleasure Hut bag in the closet with handcuffs inside. First of all, he doesn't even look in the rest of the bag. That bag was filled. Yeah. What else is in there? That would give you more context clues, my guy. Yeah, but like we
2: skip to... You know, that night they're finally talking to each other at the art show. Whatever. It's like five seconds. But yeah, they get to the hotel room and Steve is like looking through the closet and Claire's like, that's not where my surprise is. My surprise is over here. You got an A on your math test. And then he pulls out this bag of stuff and Claire gets mad at him for being like into all this stuff, whatever. They start yelling at each other. I'm over here thinking that the Bellage cleaning service did not clean out somebody else's stuff, Mm -hmm. and that's disgusting. Like, you should both want to leave.
0: Right. You should both want to, like, burn that stuff and, like, wash your entire body five times. Yeah. Even if you just, like, they did, like, just barely touched it. That's still too much touching.
2: And the fact that it was, like, up with the extra pillows and stuff, like, somebody Mm -hmm. was hiding it there and, like, Mm -hmm. it's just so weird. But... Like, basically, it's a whole miscommunication, and it kind of feels like Claire does use this as an excuse to leave. Like Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rather than have the conversation, they both just yell at each other, and she bolts.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, I wrote down, clearly, they're both not ready for a mature relationship, right? Like... Yeah. Or at least not with each other, you know? Yeah. Like, I think, because obviously, Claire and David had, for a while, a good, mature relationship that we actually were on board with for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, we've never really seen him be in a serious relationship. Celeste is the only one I can think of. And, and he blew that. Exactly. So, you know, all things could have been fixed with communication, but the fact that it wasn't and still isn't means they probably just
2: aren't on the same page yet. Yeah. I literally, I wrote the same thing. I was like, Claire is acting as ma- immature as she thought Steve was going to be. Exactly.
0: Because she's scared. Clearly she's nervous and scared. So.
2: Yeah. And I don't think we get a resolution for that. No. I think that's the end of it. And stare still isn't a thing there's still like an asterisk on that Mm -hmm. one question marks yeah giant
0: question marks on them
2: yeah and i I mean that's that is every single thing that happened this week
0: that is finally it we covered it all
2: (sighs) did you have
0: a quote of the week you know there were so many things in this so many quotes in this episode that were really heavy and that i wrote down more for conversation topics Mm -hmm. um let me do a brief look because i don't really know i don't think so
2: yeah i think that was the same thing where i even tried to Mm -hmm. like write down some quotes that weren't as disgusting but the entire
0: episode was just
2: disgusting i'll say this
0: my yeah okay so it's less of a specific quote this week but more um the type of dialogue we got in general where both Donna and Valerie were confronted with some pretty tough stuff um, and were in positions to be made fools of and things like that, and they both stood up for each other. So I, my quote of the week is any quote that they said to stand up for themselves. I love that so much. What about you, Mary?
1: Okay, so in the very beginning of this episode, we had like um, two minutes or so of school B-roll, mm-hmm. <laughs> and in this B-roll, there was a dude – wearing a denim jacket and denim shorts like cutoffs with the fringe and mm. it was my favorite thing that <laughs> happened on screen i think i'll say if
0: i had a moment of the week it would be the fact that claire and steve matched at the art opening like they like he was in like a soft like gray almost baby blue blazer to match claire's baby blue dress and it was kind of adorable. <laughs> like, they could be
2: so good together.
0: Yeah. I could like, really enjoy it. Like, on yeah. the surface, they're like on the same page, but mm, not so much.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, we have no idea what's going to happen with them. So, I kind of hope that we find out next week. Yeah.
1: Oh, also, honorable mention to the fact that Colin still somehow has Kelly's birthday billboard. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> I love it.
0: Oh, Colin. Oh, Colin. Alright, well, what's next week? Alright, so next week we have season six, episode eight, Gypsies, Cramps, and Fleas. <laughs> I mean it, Yeah, it's it's a share song. Yeah. But
2: I don't know the rest of like I don't I don't get the reference. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to, like, even split it out, and I'm like, cramps, is everyone going to be, like, cycling together? Is it going to be like when Winston thought that he had a man period (laughs) and (laughs) Jess was his alpha? (laughs) Yes, I hope so. (laughs) All of Casa Walsh has their period together.
1: Well, it's
0: like in No Strings Attached when all the ladies, like Natalie Portman and Mindy Kaling and everybody have their period, and Ashton Kutcher makes the period playlist. (laughs) And it has like songs that like sort of like allude to a period. <laughs> like Bleeding Love is a song. <laughs> Just, I hope so. so.
2: And then Fleas, I got nothing.
0: Yeah, no, who knows?
2: Like if there was still a Rocky 2 anywhere in this show, I'd say that. But right. where's he
0: been? Oh, yeah, where has he been? He didn't get made a series regular like that, so he's not contractually obligated. <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm miscontractually obligated Rocky, too. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out what it actually is next week. And until then, you can follow us
0: on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. Yep, or shoot us over an email about your questions, your comments, your thoughts, or your concerns, or what your reactions were in real time back when you originally watched this, because obviously we have a much different take on that. Do that at Back2Podcast at gmail.com.
1: That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com.
2: And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe. All those different things really help us get seen. They help us build a community. Um, you can go into Spotify and you literally just have to click the little five-star button. Like you don't even have to do a lot of work there. It's just right there for you. And we'd really appreciate it. And so until next week, from all of us at Back To You Podcast, I'm a really short letter from Tony to Dylan in bright green writing. I'm the biggest Tony
0: and Dylan's Dan and Bruno.
1: If I was a side dish, I would be a potato also. Bye.
0: Bye. See ya.